Hi, this is David Lee of Leeds Culinaria, and welcome to another episode of our always popular Author's Answer series, where we put food writers and cookbook authors where they belong, front and center, talking about their latest work. Now, bloggers, I want you to pay attention here. I'm talking to one of the most popular, most beloved bloggers out there, Gluten-Free Girl, and she, of course, is Shauna James Ahern and her husband, Chef Daniel Ahern. And their latest book is Gluten-Free Girl and the Chef, a love story with 100 tempting recipes. Welcome, Shauna and Daniel. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure to have you here. Now, Shauna, some of our readers may not know your story, so can you tell us you were diagnosed with celiac disease in 2005, correct? That's correct. All right. Now, can you give us a little bit of a summary of what that was like? I had felt sort of low-level lousy all my life. I never knew what it felt like to feel well. But, um, you know, considering that's how I'd always lived, I never knew any difference. And then um, in my late 30s, I started getting more and more and more sick. So I got all kinds of intestinal issues. I got interesting, horrible headaches. I started not being able to stay awake, and I went to MRIs and CAT scans and 14 different doctors. They all thought that I had a different thing, you know, ovarian cancer, kidney failure. They were all, you know, very happy Sickness of the day kind of thing. Sickness of the day, exactly. And nobody had an answer. And um, a friend of mine actually called and said she'd heard that celiac was the most underdiagnosed disease in the United States, and why don't I try that? And I got a blood panel test and stopped eating gluten. And within three days, it felt like my contacts had been clean for the first time in my life. Really? Yeah, it was unbelievable. And how did you feel once you were diagnosed? Because suddenly there's all this food that you can't eat. How did you feel? I was thrilled to bits. <laughs> <laughs> I can't eat. I can imagine not being thrilled. Being thrilled by not being able to eat. And I used to be the gluten girl. I love bread and I love pasta. And so you would and think pie. I would be... And pie. Yes, that's right. But you'd think I'd be sad. But I had been so sick that I'd been down to eating jars of baby food just to get some nutrition in me. Um, So being able to eat food again was wonderful. And also, if you're going to have some sort of medical condition, choose the one where you have to eat really well to heal yourself. It's fantastic. So you didn't cave, basically. Some people do. They focus on what they can eat versus on what they can eat. Yes. Now, you have a very interesting tattoo on your left wrist. That's right. Tell us about that. I have the word yes tattooed on my wrist. And it's actually in the place of where I used to wear a watch because I realized that a watch is a way of saying no. You're constantly looking at and saying when is this end going to end, or I wish it would go on longer, and you're never really in the moment. So this is a reminder to me to say yes to everything as it arises, exactly as it is. And that came from being diagnosed. It was. I got it about 10 months after diagnosis, and I felt better than I ever had in my entire life. That's great. Now, where in this whole timeline did Dan suddenly pop up? And how did you guys meet? Uh, We met online, of all places. Did you? Well, now we live our our lives on online, so it makes sense. (laughs) So you started there and you're continuing there. Um, We met on Match.com, which I never thought would happen. When I got diagnosed, it was April 30th, 2005. Mm -hmm. And I had this sudden knowledge that I was a self I'd never been. So I wanted to take a year off of dating and not be with anybody other than this new self. And I met Danny four years to the day, to the year. Wow, that's amazing. Four years to the day. Four, I'm sorry, four days to the year is what okay, I meant. So that's what I thought. Thank I, you. I was about, thinking, wait a minute. A long the time later. There. Yeah, you, it's obviously you're not a math teacher. No, that's quite clear, <laughs> believe me. You were a writing teacher, weren't you? I was. School? I taught creative writing in high school. Yeah. So tell me, how did this book come to be? After all, your previous book, which was Gluten-Free Girl, How I Found the Food That Loves Me Back and How You Can Too, it was a memoir. Now, suddenly you did... A 180, and now you wrote a cookbook. People usually write cookbooks first and then wait and live a little bit and then write a memoir. So what happened here? I've never done anything the normal way, David. (laughs) 
what happened was my agent informed me that my love affair with the chef should really be in my first book when I just thought it was going to go in the marketing proposal. So he was the last chapter of the book and our love. And what I really wanted to do was explore a little bit more mature love. That first book ends I think of now as all exclamation points, you know, like, I'm in love. And and little hearts chef, over the eyes. And he's so great, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's not that we have troubles in our relationship, but it is, you know, a much more uh, a real relationship now. So I wanted to write about what it's like to fall in love through food and then continue to be in love. Well, I think it's interesting that you say that because in this book, you talk about a moment where sort of this sensual courtship came to a screeching halt <laughs> and suddenly you realize that you had to start facing the stove and making dinner. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Danny being the very talented and generous person he is, the first three months of our relationship, he would bring home dinner every night. And it was beautiful, sumptuous dishes with sauces and swirls. And, you know, it was a lot of wonderful food. And about three months in, he called me actually from the restaurant and said, hey, what's for dinner tonight? And I thought, well, (laughs) (laughs) honeymoon's over. (laughs) Honeymoon's over. I'm really grateful in the end. I had missed cooking. And so it was a chance for me to get back into the kitchen. However, rather than trusting myself, I panicked and thought, oh, gosh, I have to cook for a chef, and consulted every cookbook I could think of, looked at every recipe of the day, and ended up making him an absolutely terrible dish. That was he... it terrible? Yeah, it was bad. How bad was it? Well, it didn't even make it past my tongue. I tasted it and said, mm, yeah, excuse really me. I, I thought I could, you know, just for the for the love, for my love, I could try and suck it down, but I just couldn't. I couldn't swallow it. I had to spit it out. All right. So Shauna told me that you suddenly had to start learning now from the man who was spitting out your food. Yeah. So tell me about some of the lessons that you learned while while he was teaching you. Well, the first lesson I learned that night because I sobbed in his arms and I said, I'm sorry, I just wanted to be as good as you. And he said, why? I've been doing this for 20 years and you haven't. And he said, you know, this is really about connecting, not impressing. If you really want to stick with me the rest of your life, we'll do, I'll just teach you everything I know. And so the book is really a record of everything I learned from him, from how to set up a mise en place, because I used to burn all the onions. I would be... And explain what a mise en place is. Oh, a mise en place is, is where you will um, set up everything in advance and have your onions chopped and your garlic minced. And you know, it's, just, it's the same way that chefs work. Imagine if they had to put up all of those dishes and be chopping onions at the same time. Forever. <laughs> so really, I learned what chefs do, which is how to be comfortable in the kitchen, how to really enjoy every step of the process, and how, so, how to be efficient, which and helps I, a lot. I find interesting is one of the biggest lessons you learned was how to connect, not impress, mm. yet what you've been doing on the web and your blog is all about connecting. Yeah. So it's interesting how you were trying, you went right for impressing <laughs> when you were ignoring what you normally do for a living, which is connect. <laughs> it's like every time you learn something new, you have to start over as a beginner's mind, you know, and it, it right go right back to that insecurity. Yeah, I, I used to teach my writing students that same thing. If you are right to impress, it's going to be awful. If you write to connect with other people, someone will want to read it. I completely agree with that. And one of the things that I think connected with me with the book is I am not gluten intolerant. Mm. I can eat anything that has gluten, but there are so many recipes in the book that are naturally gluten-free that I can simply eat. And even the ones that are 
adapted because they're baked goods or they have they used flour originally, even those look very delicious that I'd be wanting to try. So mm -hmm. I think that's interesting that I could flip through very lightly and find something tonight for dinner. And if I wanted to make something a little bit longer, a little more complicated for the weekend, it's also in there too. Now, was that something that you really focused on when you did the book? Very much intentional. In fact, I'd like to take out a billboard with that quote you just gave. That would be fine for me. <laughs> on your next issue, your next uh, edition, you could put it on the cover. Well, there are a few things. One is that my first uh, impulse always is to find that food that's naturally gluten-free. You don't need to keep hitting your head against the wall and go, but I want a sandwich all the time. There are so many foods that are delicious that have no gluten. In fact, I have a column for another place that's, uh, if there is no gluten in it, I'm eating it. It's exposed me to foods I never knew existed before, and I'm grateful for it. So that's what we wanted to give to people is the sense it's not just about finding your old favorites and replacing them. It's about exploring and playing with your food in a way that you may never have done before. And in the same way, though, you took the cookie that I worked with with Jacques Torres and then did an amazing gluten-free version, Thank which you. is, I have to say, just about as popular as my version <laughs> on my blog. So I say that with a little bit of derision. But um, Sorry, Dave. <laughs> apparently it's very, very, very popular. There's it even people on, on YouTube making your cookie. Do you know that? I did not know that. They are. They're making your gluten-free <laughs> version of my cookie. So I think it's very interesting. You know, I think what it is is that after a while, when you do focus on the foods you can eat, what I found is that I didn't just necessarily miss a cookie. I missed baking cookies. Yes, I, I missed making that. pie. I missed the feeling of some kind of flowers and butter underneath my fingers. And so I turned to it to return to that feeling and also to be able to share good food with people. And in the book, there's pies, there's breads, there is there are waffles, mm -hmm. uh, there's pizza. Focaccia. So, focaccia. So all the baking is there also, as well right. as this whole range of foods that we can eat, uh, whoever you are. So it's great if someone in the family, one person is gluten intolerant and one's not, everybody can cook from the cookbook, which I think is great. But speaking about the baking, though, this is my big question for you. What about a baking book? We've thought about it, certainly. Yeah, so it's maybe in the works? <laughs> well, we need to talk to our publishers. <laughs> okay. I think it might be a good idea, considering how good the baked items turned out. And I think a lot of people would look forward to that, because there are so many cookbooks out there, 1,001 gluten-free mm -hmm. recipes. Well, are, really, is there that many things that have to be gluten-free? <laughs> You're proving wrong. You'll have 100 recipes, and not all of them need to have special flowers. Right. Well, we, I, you know, what I find, sorry to interrupt, but what I've found really fascinating through the process of writing this book, I changed the way I bake entirely, and I gave that knowledge to people too, in the sense that, A, I learned how to bake by weight, not by volume. That is a huge shift for most people, but it is the key to making great gluten-free baked goods. And then once you do that, I've been figuring out the ratios for almost every baked good, um, and they're not that different from the, the ratios of gluten products. So it's a whole science that I'm geeky about. Well, one of the things I also found fascinating being a writer is you divided the book in one section is called at home, mm. one's called at the restaurant, mm -hmm. and then there's recipes that are interspersed with essays. Explain to me why you broke it down that way. Well, there are a couple of things. One is that we both found it a little bit too pedestrian for us to just do appetizers, main course, desserts. There are thousands of those books out there already. We wanted to write something new. But it also coincides with how we live our lives. The stories generate the food, and the food generates the stories. So to have them kind of tumble one into another seems like it made more sense. And, and then division of home and work. And the restaurant. Yeah. That's our life as well. The at-home section of the book is our first meeting, falling in love all through food. And it's, you know, the one that's most particular to us. There's an essay called Grocery Shopping is Foreplay. Um, and so, it, you know, it's intended to be funny, but very specific to us. But at the restaurant is Danny's life as a chef and therefore 
almost every chef's life. And it starts off with waking up hungry and ends with meals at midnight. And it's mm -hmm. everything he has to do on the way to get food onto the plate of the people in the restaurant. And it's interesting because you say that Dan is not really a writer. Mm -mm. You had a very interesting process about <laughs> writing those essays that related to him at the restaurant. Talk to us about that. I didn't realize when we first sat down to write the cookbook that he couldn't write the way I did. And I don't mean the words. I mean, he could not sit down. He's a chef. They never stop moving. And so when we first sat down, I said, okay, I've got the laptop. Tell me about that recipe. He was stymied. He had no idea what to say. I don't know how much rosemary. I don't know how much time. And then one day he was playing uh, a golf game on the Wii, and I was typing up something for the blog and asked him a question. And in the middle of a backswing, just whoosh, the entire recipe came floating right out. Really? So I said, S keep doing that, and pulled open the book, and we wrote the entire book with him talking. While playing on the Wii. And practicing his drive. <laughs> <laughs> You maybe have invented a whole new form of writing. <laughs> maybe some of our readers should take a, a, a tip from your book and maybe write their books by being on the Wii. <laughs> so um, well, I think that division is very interesting and unique, too. Mm, yeah. And um, I wish you great luck with the book. I want to thank both of you, Shauna, James Ahern, and also Daniel Ahern. Thank you. And we now have a new addition now, Lucy, Lulu Ahern, who just woke up. So I want to thank you two for coming. We've been talking with Shauna James Ahern and Daniel Ahern, authors of Gluten-Free Girl and The Chef, a love story with 100 tempting recipes, and they're also the writer and chef in residence at glutenfreegirl.com. I'm David Leed for Leeds Culinaria. Tune in for another episode of our Author's Answers series that will always leave you hungry for more. <laughs>